Welcome to the Happy Homestead Podcast. I'm thankful that you found your way here. You're in the right place if you're looking for meaningful conversation that's raw, that's genuine, and that is centered around Christ. There may also be some conversation sprinkled in about coffee, chickens, day-to-day life that tends to be a bit messy, and also some things about the Enneagram. I hope that you can snuggle up with me with a cup of coffee or a cup of tea and that we can dive in together and that this becomes a safe, relaxing place of rest for you. Thank you for joining me. My name is Elizabeth and I'm excited for this journey. Blessings. So I know there's not a lot of people here tonight, um, but I texted uh, Brother Tramp earlier. I was like, I'm really nervous about giving this. Um, I feel like the Lord um, had kind of, he's been working this into my life and um, laying it on my heart for a season, for for a few months. Um and the last couple, the last week or so, I guess, right after Tramp asked me to speak tonight, I um, I felt like I knew, like always, what the Lord wanted me to talk about. And I today was walking under the breezeway, and I was like, God, what am I going to talk about tonight? And I knew what I was supposed to talk about, and I said, No, not that. I don't want to talk about that. Well, I kept praying, Lord, help me, give me something, give me guidance, give me direction. And it was just, I couldn't get away from it, so I caved. (laughs) I caved into it, which is what I should have done to begin with. Um, And then when my mom was singing that song, it said, uh, we will understand it better by and by. I felt like that confirmed it to me. Um, And so... Bear with me because this is a really difficult topic um, for me to talk about. And I feel like a lot of that is just because I, I am young um, and this is a really uh, heavy topic. Um, and so don't stone me. <laughs> I'm still learning too. Um, but I felt like this is what the Lord gave me. So bear with me. Um, And so I titled it here, um, Sorrow to Sorrow to Have Sorrow um, is to Rejoice. And so go ahead and turn to Psalm chapter 71. I learned a long time ago to mark these before I get up here because I get up here and then I'm like flipping for years. Okay, um, and so we're going to read quite a lot here. We're going to read um, the whole chapter. In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be put to confusion. Deliver me in thy righteousness and cause me to escape. Incline thine ear unto me and save me. Be thou my strong habitation, whereunto I may continually resort. Thou hast given commandment to save me, for thou art my rock and my fortress. 
Deliver me, O my God, out of the hand of the wicked, out of the hand of the unrighteous and cruel man. For thou art my hope, O Lord God, thou art my trust from my youth. By thee have I been holden up from the womb. Thou art he that took me out of my mother's bowels. My praise shall be continually of thee. I am as a wonder unto many, but thou art my strong refuge. Let my mouth be filled with thy praise and with thy honor all the day. Cast me not off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength faileth. For mine enemies speak against me, and they that lay wait for my soul take counsel together, saying, God hath forsaken him, persecute and take him, for there is none to deliver him. O God, be not far from me. O my God, make haste for my help. Let them be confounded and consumed that are adversaries to my soul. Let them be covered with reproach and dishonor that seek my hurt. But I will hope continually and will yet praise thee more and more. My mouth shall show forth thy righteousness and thy salvation all the day, for I know not the numbers thereof. I will go in the strength of the Lord God. I will make mention of thy righteousness, even of thine only. O God, thou hast taught me from my youth, and hitherto have I declared thy wondrous works. Now also, when I am old and gray-headed, O God, forsake me not, until I have showed thy strength unto this generation and thy power to everyone that is to come. Thy righteousness also, O God, is very high. Who hast done great things? O God, who is like unto thee? Thou, which hast showed me great and sore troubles, shalt quicken me again, and shalt bring me up again from the depths of the earth. Thou shalt increase my greatness, and comfort me on every side. I will also praise thee with the psaltery, even thy truth, O my God. Unto thee will I sing with the harp, O thou Holy One of Israel. My lips shall greatly rejoice when I sing unto thee, and my soul which thou hast redeemed. My tongue also shall talk of thy righteousness all the day long, for they are confounded, for they are brought unto shame that seek my hurt. So verses 1 through 4, if we break this down, they're a prayer to God for deliverance from his troubles. Verses 5 to 8, he's stressing to God that God is all things good. He's the giver of life, that God is hope. Verses 9 to 18, he's praying that the Lord would act on his behalf and keep him from harm. 19 to 21, He's telling the Lord of his faith in him and what he will do. In verses 22 to 24, even in the midst of it all, he will praise the Lord for the Lord is good. And so the word um, that has been, it, it just seems like it's in front of me all the time. It's in my head. It's in front of me. It's everywhere I go um, is lament. And so I looked up the, the dictionary definition of that word, um, and it means a passionate expression of grief or sorrow. And like I said, when I started, this is a difficult topic to talk about 
Lament is a difficult topic to talk about, and it is an even more difficult topic, I think, for the Christian church. We are taught that to be Christian means to be joyful. I want you to bear with me. Don't throw stones at me. Our joy comes from the Lord. So if we are Christian, it only seems fitting to pin on joy as one of our daily attributes. While this is true in a sense, our joy does come from the Lord. We tend to get a little uneasy when sorrow, grief, and pain set in. As a Christian, when sorrow, grief, or pain enter into our lives, we try to box it up and contain it. After all, to be a good Christian, we have to be sunshine and roses all the time. That don't sound right. Right? We preach and we teach that we will go through fiery trials. And as a Christian and a follower of Jesus Christ, we know that our trials are for his glory. And we know that such trials will fill us with joy, even though that sounds very contradicting. So go ahead and flip with me to 1 Peter chapter 4, and we're going to read verses 12 through 14. Chapter 4, verses 12 through 14. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. So, what happens when the sorrow is vicious? Or when the grief seems to consume you? What happens when a fellow brother or sister in the Lord tells you that they are in pain or that they're angry at the Lord? Do you tell them, just keep praying it'll get better to ease the sense of the uncomfortableness that you feel? When we see a fellow believer struggling in their sorrow, are we quick to give vain words or, or repetitive advice or even add blame as Job's friends did in his time of great sorrow, accusing him of having sin in his life? Are we pointing them to the word? The truth of it is this. As a Christian, we are promised joy. God sent his son so that we may be saved, and that's a joyous thing. But also, as followers of his son, we are promised trials and sorrow. The world rejected God's son, so they will reject us too. Lament is stuffed into the Bible everywhere. 
Yet, it is something that we still do not like to talk about. There's something about sorrow that makes us feel so defeated, so incapable. So when a fellow believer goes through said sorrow, we oftentimes try to run from it. We've accepted sorrow and grief as a part of life, and it is. And we've accepted that we must continue with life in spite of it. But when a fellow believer is struggling with their sorrow, we tend to say, man, they need to get their act together. If lament is in the Bible so much, why are we still uncomfortable discussing it? Every day we experience joy, excitement, pleasure, just as we experience loss, disappointments, and failures. We oftentimes magnify the pursuit of joy in our lives, so much so that we completely dismiss the flip side of the track of sorrow and pain. We aim all of our efforts as believers on joy. It's going to step on your toes because joy sells, right? We win people to the faith with joy and wonderful promises that the Lord has given us. And that's true. And we should. But when these newcomers in the faith begin to experience pain, grief, and sorrow, how quick we are to abandon them and continue to just push joy. What if instead we told them feeling and experiencing deep pain, loss, and sorrow was normal. Not only normal, but that it should be welcomed. What if we told our fellow believers in the faith that we may not have the right words to say to them, but that we will sit in the mud with them? What if we were real with each other? What if instead of dismissing sorrow, we embraced it? And to be clear, I'm not talking about depression or hopelessness. This is completely different. And I'm not saying that we all just need to be Eeyore and go eat worms like off Winnie the Pooh. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that there is a right way to lament biblically. We can have questions. We can experience pain. We will experience pain and grief, but we can do so in a godly way. We do not have to feel defeated when we face such things. We serve a God who is not unfamiliar with lament, like me. (laughs) I find it so fascinating that the Psalms are where most of the writings of lament are found. Psalms are praises. Psalms are songs, just like that song that we sing all the time. Our worship is our melody. It's our way that we defeat the enemy. We are to rejoice when we go through trials. But to rejoice does not mean you have to be glad about it. You can still have the joy of the Lord and be sorrowful over the grief 
that you are going through. As a church, we need to normalize lament. Our worship songs should be including lament. Our daily actions should encourage lament. And it should be real to all those around us. Lament is part of our faith walk. It allows and encourages growth. Just as a farmer burns his fields to prepare for better crops, so we must also go through fiery trials in order to grow and to have joy. And so at the tent revival, I wrote this in here. Brother Quinn actually mentioned this, and I thought that that was funny. Not funny because it was the Lord, but he even said, Sometimes God puts you in the valley to soak you and the ground to nourish you. Jesus himself lamented on the cross when he quoted Psalms 22.1. And that's, you can flip there if you want, but that's, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's lament. That was a prayer of lament. We can find expressions of lament from Nehemiah, Job, Habakkuk, Psalms, Lamentations. But it is the way that we've turned our lament back to God. By turning our hearts back to God through lament, we are rejoicing. God welcomes and longs for us to express our raw, honest emotions of distress, anger, and anguish to him. We should not be accusing others of sin when they experience sorrow. Yes, sometimes we do go through sorrow as a result of our sin. But even so, even then, it isn't our place to judge. But oftentimes, the Lord allows pain and suffering as a part of our walk of faith with him to grow us. We oftentimes reach for joy too quickly and miss our growing season. We're so anxious to be out of that season because it's uncomfortable. It's painful. It sucks. Pardon my lack of language, but it does. And you don't want to be there. You want the next season. And you're so quick. We're all so quick to reach for joy that we miss where the Lord wanted to root us and to grow us and to nourish us and to strengthen us. There is a right way to lament. Our hearts should be grieved for what grieves the Lord's heart. And God does not delight in the suffering of his people. And you can rest assured in that. But he does refine the ones that he loves. So I want to, I've got several verses that I want to read here, and I normally don't do that at the end of a message, but I felt too. So um, Isaiah 45, verse 7. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. Jeremiah 32, 37 through 42. 
Behold, I will gather them out of all countries, whither I have driven them in mine anger and in my fury and in great wrath, and I will bring them again unto this place, and I will cause them to dwell safely. And they shall be my people, and I will be their God. And I will give them one heart and one way, that they may fear me forever, for the good of them and of their children after them. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them, that I will not turn away from them to do them good. But I will put my fear in their hearts, that they shall not depart from me. Yea, I will rejoice over them to do them good, and I will plant them in this land, assuredly with my whole heart and with my whole soul. For thus saith the Lord, Like as I have brought all this great evil upon this people, so will I bring upon them all the good that I have promised them. Luke eleven thirteen. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? And if your Bible doesn't have words in red, that was words in red, so that means that was Jesus speaking. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come unto me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That was also Jesus. 1 Peter 5, 7. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. And then lastly, 1 Samuel chapter 2. I'm going to read verse 3, and then I'm going to jump down and read verses 6 to 8. Talk no more so exceeding proudly. Let not arrogancy come out of your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The Lord killeth and maketh alive. He bringeth down to the grave and bringeth up. The Lord maketh poor and maketh rich. He bringeth low and lifteth up. He raiseth up the poor out of the dust and lifteth up the beggar from the dunghill to set them among princes and to make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and he hath set the world upon them. So this is what I want to say in closing. Let us not miss the seasons, what the seasons of lament we go through are intended of the Lord to teach us. Lament is how we learn important truths about God and his character. Lament is how a Christian grieves. We are to trust God as who he says he is, while also trusting that he gives good to those who love him. Our ideas, understand, of good do not always match God's. And it's okay to be upset about and to feel confused by or angry by this. But I want to encourage you, as I testified in church several Sundays ago, I woke up and I had the words sackba and sultry in in my head over and over and over. This is something that the Lord's been working in my life, like I said, for a season, for months 
to praise him. You, it may not look like what you thought it should and, and would look like. And you can be upset, but that's okay. Direct your cares and your heart to the Lord. He will care for you. He will sustain you. God is not mean. God cares deeply for you. Let us not also, let us not hinder the growth of our church body by omitting lament. Celebration is good, but without lament is incomplete. That's all I got. Yes.
Sometimes the hardest part for me is um, looking back over over different trials and different things I've been through is just just um, the way that the Lord has taught me. Um, it's not that He doesn't care for me. It's just the opposite. It's that He does care for me so much. And it's, hey, this isn't always about you. You went through that, and it had nothing to do with you. It was to help this person that you didn't know you would come in contact with years down the road. And I'm thankful that the Lord has taught me that. Um, and like I said, I know I'm young, but just just in the time that I've committed my life to Him, He has used me in that way and shown me, you know, and that's, that's hard. That is something that's hard because when you're in the middle of something, all you can, it's all you can do to think about what you're going through. But it's not, majority of the time, it's not anything to do with you. I had also spoken to you that I was selfish about it. Yeah. I mean, because I was just, like you said, I was Sounds like you had some Job's friends. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Start taking control. 
Yeah, Joy, um, I actually was reading that in a devotional that I started doing with my mother on the Bible app. Um, Joy and sorrow uh, are a simultaneous track. They're two different tracks, but they're simultaneous at the same time. Parallel, thank you. And a lot of times we we don't remember that. We don't think about it in that way. But that's the life that Jesus lived. He was joy, and he experienced sorrow, and we do. We experience both every day because we are complex, because that's the way that God made us. But what what a hope we have that one, one day in heaven, that sorrow track will be no more, and it will be all joy. And so that is what we have to look forward to. Yeah. I say something real quick. <clears throat> My mom's going to say something. But just, uh, that was really good. And that's overlooked often. And just putting it in a perspective of scripture. You know, and you hit on it and Robert talked about there. And uh, Sister Brenda's talking about how it affected her life. But the, the book of Lamentations is a collection of poetic laments. Yeah. He said, he brought out about Judah. Uh, it's actually the destruction of Jerusalem. Jesus was the, the lion of the tribe of Judah. Yeah. And the, the disheartened effect that came from, it's like all hope was lost. And uh, this book was canonized. It became, it's the word of God. We believe it. I believe it. I believe it's God's word directly to us. And it's a collection of poetic laments. I love Lamentations because of it, how it's wrote yeah. and how impactful it is to, to the emotion of who people really are. Everybody wants to say, oh, you're goody two-shoes, like you were saying, because of jewelry, you're always happy. And, you know, It's like as a Christian, one of the first things I must do is, is learn to accept the, the things in my life that I would rather them be different mm-hmm. and to lament. Anyway, quickly, so I think what was uh, 586 BC, right around there, so it was a little over 400 years after the fall, 
after the destruction of Jerusalem to the line of Christ and Christ the King. We call it the dark age, the dark period, you know, in between the old and the new. The end of Lamentations, and, that, and that's, that's what that book is about. And the church, for over 400 years, people felt like their hope was lost. And they came to save them. Yeah. It's very powerful. The church had to remember. Mm -hmm. The church had to grow, and like you say, be rooted in order for God to say, okay, now is the time. And uh, I'm convinced that's the way that it had to be. And that's the way that God allowed it to happen. Is because then those, if the church was ready. And the church became the church because of Christ. So I'll be quiet. But well, there's no, a whole lot there. I'm glad you said that. You said that because, like, what you said specifically that they had to. They had to lament. And I do feel like as a, as a church body whole that we have gotten away from that and that we've become too comfortable and, and applying that to an overall body. So just let me say this real, real quick. So it's all through the scripture. Uh, falling into Babylonian captivity. Right. The Hebrew children. Uh, falling into Egyptian captivity. Not delivered them. Right? I mean, part of the Red right. Sea. But for how many years, you know, did did they go in captivity? You know, you got the book of Judges 14 different times. Yeah. So the scripture is full of that. He brings them to a place to where they're able to lament, but they they do not. Job is the greatest one, I think. It's beautiful, poetic scripture. Takes an understanding, you gotta really dig into it, but it it really does. It it brings out that picture. Yeah. And that's where strength is is garnered and gained. So it's all through the Bible. And then, then we have that comparison from the Old Testament to the New, when when our Savior came. Yeah. And, and the church as a whole was established and completed that God restored what man had, had originally destroyed. And so that we find that picture in the destruction of Jerusalem. Yeah. From the garden of Eden. Yeah, there yeah, I agree with you there's a time and a season to limit. But yeah, but what I was saying was as a church body as a whole, I do feel like now is a time to limit. We, we need to be grieved for we, there's a lot of hope that is lost. Yes. There's a lot of darkness that's yes. taken over. And you think Jerusalem was destroyed. Right. Wow. Talk about losing some hope. Right. Wow. But the Savior came. But the Savior came, yeah. It's going to happen. Yeah. Yes, it is. He's going to come. What I was wanting to say was connecting with Sister Brenda when she realized after coming through that real hard trial. I mean, that sounded devastating. I was understanding. But what was that lady's name? At the tent meeting, she, her children were sitting with Stuart Black's wife. No, Christy. The one that lost her husband. Her husband got killed coming out on 42. And uh, what I wanted to say, Sister Brenda, the Lord led me because I got a lot of years behind me. God's word is inexhaustible and Arma's still learning. 
But when I went to the altar where she was praying, and you do the silent saying how you did, I was telling her, you may have heard me out no. I told her, we need to leave a well in the valley we go through, because there'll be someone else pass that way too. Whatever you and I go through, whenever we've experienced things and suffered and come on through, not only for our good, but for the good of others. So God, because if they know you lost someone in death or different trials, they're more apt, Elizabeth, to listen to us when we talk with them through their trial, whatever, you know, different things happen in different lives. But the Lord laid it on my heart to tell her, just keep praying and let God use you, you know, through the death of her husband to leave a well in the valley. We go through because there'll be others pass that way too. Every one of us are gonna go through things. And it's not only for us, but it's for us to get what we need, what God wants us to have to help others right. to come on through. That's what it's all about. Yeah. We need to be our brother and sister's keeper through every trial. And we just, we don't need to criticize one another. We need to pray for one another. Amen. So many times when we've gone through a situation like that, God will restore it. How, what is it? He'll restore it sometimes seven times. Yeah. We've had something, you know, taken away from us. <laughs> but it's, a lot of times it's a test. Maybe just a, not just a test, but then he turns around and restores back our joy to restore back. Like Job, he had all his children. Thank you for joining me on this episode I did live. It was a live recording at the church that I regularly attend, Full Gospel Tabernacle in Iberia, Missouri. If you'd like to attend and you need service details, just reach out to me and I will get you the connection. And I hope that what you listen to minister to you in some way or fashion and that If you had someone in mind while you were listening, that you would just share it with them so that it may minister to them also. Thank you again and God bless you.